You are listening to ViewSource, conversations around WordPress and adjacent tech with hosts Ruba Ahmed and me, Brian Kortz. So we're back on our Next.js trip journey that you're teaching us, and I'm going to recap what we've been through so far in building this application. But last episode, we talked about CSS, and then you posted on Twitter that I went on a rant about it, and... I just want to clarify, I don't think I really went on a rant about it. I think I've gone on some rants, but like, am I ranting about things? Is that what this podcast is now? It's just me ranting about web development issues. So I think I think of the word rant a little bit differently than a lot of other people. This has come up before. I think rants are awesome. I think the rants are like, I have an opinion. I feel strongly about it. And I'm going to tell you what it is, you know, and you do that a lot. And I enjoy it thoroughly. And that's kind of what we do with this podcast. We teach and we educate, but we also have strong opinions that we share with the world. Am I ranting and raving? Am I a ranting and raving lunatic? Like when I think of rant, I think like, <laughs> A rant sounds like something that went on too long. I don't even remember what I was mad about. Was it dark mode or documentation or something? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. It was just, I think rants are great. Like I rant all the time. Well, good. Because <laughs> I got him. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's excellent. All right. But yeah, we talked about CSS and we talked about the decisions that we have to make whenever yeah. you're starting a Next.js application. You know, you started this episode off saying this is where we are in the journey of building it. In fact, we have not built anything yet. That is true. And that I think that's something to that's worth observing. Right? You know, it's worth pointing out because you have so many decisions to make in any, any application, just regardless of whatever framework you're working with, there are certain decisions you have to make. And if you don't think about them just at least a little bit, you might end up needing to do them again or end up in like a really weird path or, you know, just having struggles that you might not have had. If you just spent a little bit of time planning, I think it's really great and fun to jump right into the code, but it's important to think about things a little bit. And I think that's what we did last episode. Yeah, this morning I was working on a project where I had that realization of I've spent a few hours on this and I've probably written about 15 lines of code because all I'm doing is sitting here thinking about the database, where this should live, what's going to be the most performant, where do I want to access this data, how do I want to save it, all this. I've spent so much time sort of untangling someone's code thinking about all this stuff. And then I was like, I put in a lot of time for the tiniest commit you've ever seen, but that's what it, that's like what the work is sometimes, especially when you're using a framework, like you actually don't have to write a lot of code, but you do have to still do that high level thinking, planning, strategizing, picking your tools, all that stuff. And that's where we've been picking tools, picking the methods, picking, you know, what CSS, CSS and JS frameworks, mm -hmm. everything. And so what is our next thing that we need to to pick and what are we working on today? Yeah, I just want to say one more thing on that topic. We're developers and we really like code, but our job is not just to write code. Our job is to write well-architected code for the most part. And that means that sometimes your output, like you just said, you know, it may just be 15 lines of code, but that planning that you did is going to make sure the rest of the code you write, all the other lines you write are going to be better. So your code output is not equal to your actual output, you know? And I think that as developers, we really need to remember that. Yeah. And the reason it was 15 lines of code is because the first draft of it was like 200 lines of code. 
because there was no real thinking, right? So then if you have a lot of code, sometimes that's a sign that like you need to stop and you need to think. Totally. I agree with that. But going back to what are we doing today? Let's talk about authentication. I think authentication is one of those things that when you think about how you want to do it, you're not 100% sure how to start. Or if you're used to working with frameworks that just give it to you out of the box, it's like, well, why isn't this out of the box? And, you know, it can be something that feels a little weird and nebulous and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be so hard. And with WordPress, we have it out of the box. We never really have to think about it. And that's really nice. We saw with Laravel that there's a helper tool package, package, I guess, that sort of gives it for you. But in Next.js, you could do it in 7 million ways, and there's no built-in way. So there are helpers, right? But we talked about last time using Superbase as our database solution. And Superbase has a built-in authentication solution that works really well with Next.js. So that's what we're going to explore today because I happen to really like it. And it gives you a lot of flexibility. It comes with some helping packages that you can use or you can choose not to use. But overall, it doesn't feel as complex as some of the other solutions you could go with where you kind of have to create a little too much from scratch. So when I think of user authentication, from a high level, I'm thinking someone needs to come to your app. They need to be able to create an account or log into an existing account, which is like two different things that might happen on the front end. Then we need some sort of database that's storing like usernames and hashed secrets for passwords and email addresses and all that stuff. Then we need a sort of a state like throughout the case of the app that's basically able to say like, yes, this person is logged in and or not. And Mm -hmm. maybe depending on the use case, you might also need, I'm just thinking, I'm like throwing all the things out there. You might also need roles and permissions, like different levels of users. I don't think you will, but that's a, a thing that comes up. And then finally, Mm -hmm. you need a way to communicate with the user because they need to reset their password or they need to confirm their email address, that sort of thing. So all of those pieces, when we say like user authentication, I don't know that we'll hit all of those today, but we're saying like, those are all the things that, yeah, like WordPress does for you that a package does for you. So I'm curious to see how much of that Superbase handles for you, how much of that, you know, we're going to have to think about as we build out the application. Totally. So one of the great things is authentication is a big part of Superbase on top of just database stuff. So there's an entire section in whenever you whip up a project in Superbase that you basically can turn on and customize a lot of stuff in. So let's take a look at that. And then we'll take a look at how you actually go about implementing it in a framework like Next. All right. So I've spun up a project inside Superbase. It's completely free, has a great free level. And the first thing you're going to see is that it puts the documentation front and center. It tells you how you can get started. You can go look at it. You can go straight into the table editor and you can see all the other applications and functions that they offer like authentication and storage and edge functions and real-time applications uh, features. And one of the really great things is that I'm not going to scroll all the way down here, but it actually gives you documentation that has your own 
application's mm. information filled in. And that means that it's really much easier to understand the documentation and literally copy paste stuff into your code and have it just work because it has your credentials, anything custom from your tables, your columns, your API keys, whatever it is, it's already in there. And that's a level of personalization that's just really cool in documentation. <laughs> I do love when documentation does that and it like pulls from your actual applications like that. I will say I do not like when it puts your API keys in there because you it's I think sets up a bad habit of people pasting copying and pasting their API keys in like if there's a line of example code and it's like connecting their API key, your API key should never be in that line of code. It should be in a secret in your environment variables or something like that, right? So yeah. that's my one complaint about that. Like they should use that, you know, approach to show like, hey, we're putting your real key here, but we're putting it as a secret. So that way you get used yeah. to the idea that you should never have your key in your code. That's a very good point. And I know that in some places they will show it to you because you might have public keys that are easy to like, they're not dangerous for people to see. And so they do expose mm -hmm. them. But then in a lot of other places you'll see in the documentation, they do use like environment variables, but oh, you're nice. right. Like there are places where they don't do that too, which would be better. Okay. so. One thing I don't like about this interface is the fact that there's no labels on these icons in the menu and you have to hover on them in order to be able oh, to see yeah. them. But you know, this is a this is an ongoing trend, it's everywhere. So you kind of get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Um but to me in the WordPress repo yelling at everybody. <laughs> icons, no more icons. I don't know what they mean. I know, I know. I I I feel you. And when you're first starting with a new UI in any kind of application. Mm it can be a little frustrating and thankfully there's not too many things that you have to focus on at one point. So maybe that can help. But overall, like I wish there was like a text mode that you could turn on. If we had like oh. the world's longest podcast, I would play a game where you, we try to guess what each of these icons goes to and see if we're right. But <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. This is a completely empty database. So we're not going to worry about the actual storage and cre creating things today. We're going to look just at authentication. For authentication, it's this like lock icon. And when I go into it, you'll see that it, this is where you would manage your users. And so as you were creating users, you'd be able to say their display name, their email, and there's some default fields here that they just provide you with like phone and provider and created and all that. And you can create users from here, but then of course you also have the ability to have them created inside your application. And then there's a bunch of configuration settings here. So one is policies. That's something we touched on last time where that's how you make it so someone can only see their own data and not everyone else's mm -hmm. data. And we'll look at that next episode. Then there's providers. Look at how many providers you mm -hmm. can log in through. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I, there's a couple there. I don't even know what they are. I Yeah, like cacao. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I know that there's... It's probably more popular than some of the other ones just based on like geography and stuff. Yeah. Work OS. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. so these are all like the OS the OAuth stuff is set up if you want to do like social logins, exactly. third party logins. Okay. Email login, yeah, you can even phone. Set up like nice. a custom one, you know? Which I actually didn't realize. So last episode I had said that if you needed to you set up your own custom SSO, you can't use it, but turns out you kinda can. Okay. What so the one we email? have enabled is just email. Yeah. And when you open up the email, you can see like, how do you want this to work? Do you want to enable it? Do you want people to have to confirm their email address when they sign mm -hmm. up? 
Do you want them to have to do it again if they ever want to change it? Do you want them to be able to log in first and then change their password? These are all security measures and you can turn them on. And then you can also even customize, oh, you know, what's the minimum password length and how long until what the confirmation link in the email in your email expires. So right off the bat, who, really deep settings right there. Who sends the confirmation email? Like, how does that get routed? So Superbase has its own sort of free little small version, but then you can okay. connect it to a transactional API as well. Okay, cool. So yeah. if you're so, using like Mailgun or whatever, connect exactly. Mailgun, it'll all go through that, go through your your branding and stuff if you set it up on the yes. email templates and everything. Okay. Yeah. And so we'll look at that in a second too. So this is where the rate limit section is. So you can set up your own SMS or email, all of that stuff you can set up here. And then there's these email templates. So even if you connect a transactional API, you actually can set up the, the contents of those emails right here to be context aware for your application. So right now we're looking at the confirm signup uh, email and there's a heading, okay. confirm your signup. Then you have all these variables and then you can set up your actual email right here. Mm, okay. Okay. So I've got this already customized based on the way I set up our application that we'll take a look at, but I've set it up. So you do have to confirm your email. So once you try to sign up, you get an email, that email will send you to this particular URL in the application. And then you confirm there in order to actually have your users credentials set up and you can even preview it here, which is very, very basic, but it lets you sort of, you know, see kind of how something might show up, which is nice. Could you put in, do you think like if you use like actual full HTML, like I don't know if you ever had to do like HTML coding of emails or use like MJML or anything like that. Like, I guess it's a little code editor, so you could yeah. like put in your tables and your dumb styles totally <laughs> the way that yeah. HTML emails I'm, work. Okay. I mean, that's why you might want to use a transactional API there because you could have a template there that's set up. And this is just like the very basic little content that you want to send, you know, that's customized based on whatever the action is being taken. So there's a bunch of different email templates. There's an invite user one, a magic link one to log yourself in with just one link click to mm -hmm. change your email address, the confirmation for that, for the reset password. So everything you can think of in terms of authentication that would generate an email notification, you can customize that here. Okay. What about two-factor authentication? Do they? Do you know if they mm. have support for that? They do. We're not going to be able to cover that today, but they do yeah. have they do have support okay. for two-factor authentication. So or if that's kind of a requirement for a project. Mo sorry. Yeah. Yes. Multi-factor. Yeah. Yes. I'm so used okay. to saying two-factor, but like now it's like the thing is to say MFA. You know, multi-factor because you can do it with more than one. It's there's so much stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good, like, I'm glad that that's a, a more widely used thing and stuff. But so just to know, like, if you were thinking about this for a project, you could, and that was a requirement. That's the option. I, yes. I could pretend like I understand pass keys enough to ask a question about it, but I'm not going to lie. I don't really know what the deal is with pass keys. I understand they're pretty cool, but I'm sure support will come at some point too. Yeah. I, I don't know too much about setting up 2FA either. I've never really had to do it too much. I've used, always used like helper providers or plugins that do it for you, yeah. but it's nice. And then you have the other really important thing, which is the site URL. So here you can see the site URL that we've set up is just my local host because this is just a local development environment that we're setting this mm -hmm. up for. But this is how that site URL gets customized in your email templates. Okay. So I've, 
One thing that I've kind of noticed, and I think when we get into like the database stuff too, we'll talk about this, but like Superbase is pretty UI driven where, you know, like you're not going into like, I mean, I'm, we will go into some config files and like set some things up, but also Superbase just has like a nice UI for like looking at tables, setting up your tables, looking at your user stuff. Like we don't have to mm-hmm. deal with that. Like even like just think about like WordPress when you want to set up like a table and you have to like programmatically do like a whole activation, plug an activation hook and all this stuff or whatever. Like there's just something nice about Superbase where you're like, I can just log in and do things here and like get that stuff done. It's It's super well presented. I totally agree with that. And you can do things with a CLI and they have a robust CLI, but like you, sometimes you just want to click in and log in and click through a few things and just handle it, you know? But I'm just going through this documentation here and you can see there's a lot more detail and it shows you how you can, you know, verify and customize your templates even further, depending on the situation you might need. Really great documentation for the most part especially for things that are very well established for newer Mm -hmm. things. Obviously sometimes it takes a little while, but a lot of the main things you want to use for authentication or just database in general are really well explained in the docs for Superbase, which I really, really appreciate. And I'm just confused because you're looking at them and I see they have a dark mode toggle, but I see that you're looking at them in light mode. I'm just, is everything okay? I mean, Honestly, I dislike the dark mode settings for Superbase. I find them really hard on my eyes. So I don't like the light gray and the green combination they have in dark mode. So I prefer to always look at Superbase in light mode. But we are about to switch to my code editor, which we have in dark mode. (laughs) All right. So before we actually dive into the code, let's turn the application on and look at what we're kind of be building. So I'm going to go over to my code editor and you can already kind of see some stuff here, but I'm just going to pop open my terminal and run npm run devs. And that's going to kick up my Next.js application and it's telling me the URL, which is localhost 3000. So we'll just grab that, go back to our U, to our browser and go there. How do you remember going from project to project? whether it's going to be npm run dev, npm run watch, or npm run start. Because I feel like those three get used very interchangeably. And like I have, I know I have a project right now that I'm working on using each one of those. Can we just like, is this a rant? Sorry. Can we just like (laughs) pick one and go with it? I would love if we would all just pick one and go with it. And personally, I think dev makes the most sense because you're develop you're in development mode right like you have environment variables for example in node that are like development or production so mm-hmm. let's just all stick with dev and say dev is when things are getting watched and things are being dynamically compiled and all of that goodness and forget watch especially watch <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i prefer start but actually once you said that actually i agree i think dev is the perfect one i'm about to dev it up so thank you <laughs> All right, what are we looking at? Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at a page here that is very basic. So it all it says is this area is styled by vanilla extract, which is if we get there. Then it says get started. And then there is a link to log in or to sign up. So what should we do? Well, I've I've never signed up, so I need to sign up. All right, I'm going to hit sign up. And you're going to see basically the world's most simplest form 
this is literally just a form that I created so that we have the most basic implementation to look at in the code. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to put in an email address. So I'm going to put my own in, put in a password. Ideally, you would have a verify password set up here as well. But for example sakes, I don't have that. And then I'm going to hit sign up. And when I do that, it's going to redirect me to the login link and it's going to say, check your email for a confirmation link. And when I go into my email, I can show you in a second what that email actually looks like. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like password security, password strength, things like that. Like, is that going to be handled? That's probably something you need to handle in the form on your end when you think about those UI. sorts of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can confirm it and you can set up stuff in Suvubase, so you're verifying that a certain password is a certain strength and all of that, but then you all still have to come into your UI and then connect it to that API from Suvubase in order to be able to verify all of that. There's a lot okay. of different ways, again, that you could do that, but and there is a UI package called AuthUI that Suvubase offers that has a lot of this built in. So you okay. can actually use that to deal with it and then just style it a little bit more. The problem is, the reason we're not looking at that right now is it's not as smooth with the app router, which is the latest version of routing in Next.js. And you see a flash of unstyled text almost always with the way it's set up right now. And I hate that. I hate unflashed, mm. I hate unstyled stuff. I hate that flash. And so I refuse to use that even for the example. And so this is the unstyled email. This is what Superbase sends you. So you can see the subject is what we had set up. Confirm your signup. And it's just coming from the Superbase email address. It says confirm your sign up. There's a link and then it says powered by Superbase. All of this is customizable, especially if you connect it to a transactional API. But mm -hmm. it gives you this really simple sort of email and you can use that to test especially. So I'm just going to okay. copy that link and I'll bring it back in here. And when I refresh, now you can see I'm logged in and now there is a log out button instead of a login button. And okay. that's it. Now you are logged in. And now that's persistent. That's, uh, yes. you know, if, I if go you go home, home, if you, it's, okay. yep. Right. Now I've gone back to home and it's still persistent. And in Superbase, this is all cookie based. So it's setting up a local first party cookie in your browser that helps your session persist from page to page. Okay. And so in Superbase, we would now see your user on that table of like users that we, we added. That's right. So now if I go to Superbase and I go to the users table here, you can see I have an email address. I signed up using an email. This is when I last, like this is when I set it up. This is when I last signed in. And then there's a UID as well. Nice. I can I delete mean, it. I can send a pass password recovery link. There's a lot of stuff that you can do right from Superbase as well. And it's just very simple if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because also you think about this, like in WordPress, you can go into like the admin interface and you can do all those things, but like you're not going to have that in your application unless you build it. So exactly. the fact that Superbase is going to give you that sort of stuff of like, oh, this person needs a password reset. This person needs this. It's like, you know, you don't have to build the UI to deal with all of that. That's pretty nice. Yeah. It means that you can get up and running really fast because remember, I'm using the hosted version right now, but this is included when you self-host Superbase as well. So this UI, oh, yeah. this whole thing, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of curious, like how all of that works with the self-hosted, like, so 
self-hosted, you have access to all the same features. It's not like the hosted version has like just some extra stuff that's just you know only possible. There are a few if things the hosted host version has. Like edge okay. functions are a hosted feature. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to do real time with self-hosted, I think there's a little extra setup there. But authentication and tables and the other stuff is all like part of the open source project as well. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really curious what it looks like, like how much work this was to set up. Yeah, let's take a look at that. In Next.js, let's take a look at our package.json file first, because I know you were really curious about that. And you're going to see a few things extra here that we don't need because I tried auth UI, but really what we're using is Superbase SSR, Superbase, the JavaScript client, and we need the cookies.-next package as well so that we can access cookies either on the server side or on the client side to be able to authenticate and check if someone is logged in. Those are the three things that we're dealing with today. Yeah. I, another topic that I <laughs> could go off on in these cookies, like <laughs> I was just importing, like they were just like, I import like whatever the basic JS like cookies package is because you don't want to write that same functions over and over. Like, exactly. you know, it's, it's yeah. cookies are so funny because they've been around for so long and you, there's not like just a nice basic UI or like a face, but then yeah, in the next application, because you have that server and client side, everything gets a little mm -hmm. crazier with things like that. I remember that being a kind of struggling point for me to grasp like, oh wait, I don't have cookies the same way. You got to pass them through the headers of the request. Like there's all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's nice to know that they do have a package to kind of abstract some of that stuff for you. Yeah, it helps because in Next.js, you have your client side, you have your server side, and then you have your middleware. And the way cookies get handled in all those three places is slightly different because of the fact that the middleware is kind of on the server, but it is interacting with the client. So it's kind of in the middleware area and it happens a little differently. And in the server, you have to fully pass it because it has no access whatsoever to your browser. And the client, it's totally different because of the fact that it has all the access. So you don't have to send it anything. It just has all of that available. It's something that took me a little while to wrap my head around too. I think it ever is the case for everyone, but I feel like by this point, I have a pretty good handle on it, thankfully. <laughs> so those are the three things that we added to our package.json. In order to integrate with Superbase, first of all, we need to set up our environment variables. And we really just need two, which is the Superbase URL and then the anonymous key that they give you. Okay. You're looking at my sample file, but of course I have a .env.local file where I actually have these API credentials filled out. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take a look at, first of all, the setup. So in Next.js, because we're using the latest version, there's an app router and everything's a little bit different in app router because now you can create components that are server side or they are client side. And the way we have it set up right now, we're actually doing something. I wanted to make it a little closer to Laravel. So we're using mostly server side components, which is why you saw that the page would refresh when we hit a button instead of things just dynamically changing. So under the app folder, you have auth, error, login, and sign up. Are those the base of like a route potentially? Like are no, each of those each a route of that would be? is a route. Yeah. So like sign up yeah. is a route and then inside of there is okay. going to be everything that, okay. 
Yeah. So inside okay, sign up, if you want to have a page, then you can add a page. You could also add a route, which is an API that you want someone to hit. So, you know, if you had an API route called, in this case, we have an API route called off, and then inside it, we have a confirm and an error. And the confirm actually just has a route.ts file in it because it's just doing a get request and there's no page to show there. But with every single route that you can create, there's a different types of files you can create in there that do different things. If you wanted to show a page, you have to have a page.tsx using type, TypeScript file in there, or else it won't show anything. So there's some very specific file conventions, just like Laravel has, when you use the app router. And that's the reason I like it, because it gives you a very specific structure that has to be the same no matter what project you're in. And that makes getting started and jumping into new projects easier and better. So when somebody logs in, are you, and you submit the form mm -hmm. data, you could submit it to a route in, like you would submit it to a, a route in your app or something like that. And that route is going to handle all of that. Kind of like in Laravel, like you can build yeah. a route that's a get you request could. and displays data, but you can also have, you can post to it so that you can like submit a form and come back to that page and that sort of thing. So it's kind of, I like, I, I think there was like a world where everything was so like the Ajax era of like submitting little like things and stuff like that or whatever. And then you kind of come back to like the basics of like, no, a URL that you can route like and submit forms, that sort of stuff. Even if it is running on the server, running the call, like all that aside, it's kind of nice to make sure like, hey, this is a, we're going to have a form and we're going to submit it and this is where it's going to go, you know? Yeah, I agree. So in order to, start doing that with Superbase here, we first need to set up a Superbase client in our code. And I've set that up in a library folder. And there's a few different things here because we talked about how there's the middleware, there's the client side and the server side. We need different kinds of clients that interact with Superbase depending on what use case or what context we are using Superbase in. Okay. So from our SSR library, we're grabbing the create server client component, and then we're passing it our environment variables and also telling it how we want to handle any cookies for user authentication. And then we're able to use this, this single instance throughout our application whenever we need to interact with Subbase on the server side. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's one for the client side as well, in which you don't have to do anything about cookies because everyone knows how to deal with cookies in a browser and so does Superbase. And, but there, the client is called create browser client. And then you have sort of an actions area, which is sort of middleware. It's kind of server side, but a little smaller. And it mostly looks the same as server side, but sometimes there's extra settings that you can pass in middleware that you could also put in, in here. For simplicity's sake, I have that file set up, but right now we will use it differently later, but right now you, it's exactly the same as a server client. Okay. And so in your application, you're going to use these 
throughout the yes. anytime we need to like authenticate the user, make sure the user's logged in, determine what to we're going to use this so, any yeah. single time we want to deal with Superbase at all. So not just okay. for authentication, but later oh, as okay. well when we are creating, you know, user information showing mm -hmm. the, all of that stuff. Everything has to go through the Superbase client, and instead of making a new client every single time you need it, you just make one globally. And you set it up inside a function because then there's just one instance of it. Otherwise, you get multiple clients getting made every single time there's a render. And that gets used everywhere until you shut down your application or you go away. Okay. So what does this look like, like in context of a component or a page? Yeah, let's take a look. So let's take a look at the signup page. So the signup page looks like this. And here we... Remember, we're in a server-side client component, server-side component right now. So this is not client-side. So we're using our cookies from the headers area. And then we just import our create client that we, the, the component we did create it for the mm -hmm. Superbase client. And then we pass it the cookies that we have so that in case someone already has a persisting session, we're able to use that information. And then okay. we use that client, call it Superbase, and then call auth.getUser. And that's how you can check if someone is signed in or whatever user information you have for them right now. And we're using like, like async func asynchronous functions to make sure that like, we kind of, we need like, like we kind of need to get that information, right? Like we, yes. And that, that's another place where I remember really struggling with the idea of, wanting to use asynchronous functions to make sure you have the correct data and make sure that you're waiting for it and all that sort of stuff. But also I think there was issues with like, if you're on the client side, that sort of stuff, but yeah. really you want all this to happen at that server level first, right? Before you're exactly. really inside of your application. Exactly. And so instead of having that thing where the page loads and then things change because now it's detecting after the load that someone is signed in, let's just handle it on the server and then say, oh, this person is signed in. So send the correct information. That's something that in Next.js 12, for example, was not a sort of a regular pattern and it was a harder thing to do there. But in Next.js 14, which is what we're in right now, that separation makes this a lot more familiar to people coming from say Laravel and other applications like that, but also just makes for a better user experience. You know, like what's the point of all of this if we don't create a good user experience in the browser? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I also think like there's such a fundamental difference between a logged out and logged in visitor using your website that like exactly. that really is something that should be determined well before, you know, you get into like yeah. the 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 user's browser like running client side JavaScript and stuff. So Yeah, I agree. I okay. think one of the things that as we keep going forward in the world of web development is really getting really important is personalization which is, by the way, one of the core components of good user experience that was written in this old book that I can't remember the name of right now, a long, long time ago. Personalization is really important. And so instead of loading something and then personalizing it, we should just send something personalized, right? And that means in this case, the logged in view, if someone is logged in. So here you can see, I just have a basic form and all I'm doing is I'm checking from that authentication if I have a user, so if I if I do have a user and that user is you know correlated with my user database in Superbase, then I will just tell them they're logged in. Otherwise, I'm going to give them a form 
that let's ask for their email address and their password. And when they hit that sign up button, it's going to have a form action, which is special, that is passed a sign up function, which is actually going to do that magic. Where did you get sign up from? So I imported sign up from oh, okay. an actions file, which is part of this route. And that's what we're going to take a look at next. So if I look, go, go into that actions.ts file, mm. I've set up a sign up function. And the really important thing is all actions in this sort of structure only interact with forms. So if you want a server action to happen, it must be through form data that gets passed to it. So it only works with forms. And what I'm doing here is, again, I'm creating that Superbase client here, but it's the same client. So I'm just referring to that same instance that we've already created. I'm mm -hmm. grabbing the form information we have, so the email and the password, and then I'm sending it to Superbase with their sign up command. Mm -hmm. And if it worked, then I redirect them to the login page. And if it didn't work, then I redirect them to the error page. So the process of setting the cookie and all that will happen in that Superbase yeah. client that you've created. It's going to handle all of that process. So like you don't need to like, once you've called that, it's it's going to take care of everything else. Exactly. And you can just send them exactly. straight to the login. And yeah, so this, my question is this idea of like you have a page component and you have these actions and they're not just functions at the top of your page component. Like it's a lot of times you just think, okay, here I have my component and I have all the space between, you know, the opening of my component and my return statement, and I'm going to cram yeah. everything in there. But like the convention of actions.ts as a separate file, is it just something you did? Or is that something that's going to, that Next.js is going to recognize this file in a specific way? Does that make, does my question make sense? Yes. Like, are you following yeah, a specific totally convention that adds functionality by calling it actions.ts? Correct, correct, exactly. So if you want a server action in a different file, you have to have that in actions.ts. You can create inline actions, but a lot of the times you might have more than one action. And so the same thing that you just said, it's nice to put that in a separate file and keep your actual page uncluttered and just easier to read to see what is actually happening in terms of the page content. So you are using browser validation, right? Like I see you have required and type equals email and stuff. So like mm -hmm. there shouldn't be, but like if you did want to add like some sort of validation stuff to this, like you could do that in this setup, right? Like, yes, exactly. That could also go into your actions file as sort of a validation function and use that and gets passed in here in however way you want to validate validate it here against the information inside Superbase and the functions okay. they provide you with. Yeah. So it's not exactly co-location, but it's still co-location because it's all in the same folder. You know, it's in that round mm -hmm. folder, yeah. actions and page. And I, I just really like that that is now a specified Next.js convention that you can always rely on no matter what project you're in. I love a folder so with files that are all <laughs> named a specific way. Small files yes. with specific meaningful names, whether you're building blocks in WordPress or, you know, an application in Next or even like Angular is a lot like that too. So I just, it's a nice little, like I just, I love consistency. I agree with that. Let me show you what that session data actually looks like. So if I go to our homepage and I console that out, it's going to show up in our terminal. And if I refresh this, you can see that it's giving me this user and 
It's giving me my ID, if I'm authenticated or not, what my email address is. All A lot of that information that you saw in Superbase, in the database there, you can see it here in your code as well. Okay, so, and this is like one of those things that trick me up every time, but like paying real close attention to where your console logging, like server versus client, right? If you're going to console on the in like the actual terminal of where you're running, like, cause you know, in your terminal, you're running like a fake little server, right? Like a little local server yeah. for your app. Yeah. So when you do things in the server, they come out here. So you have access to all this information when the, so like you could very easily use that user object to say like, you know, up in the corner, like howdy with the person's name, right? And, and do that exactly. kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. And for context for everyone listening, it took me four tries because I kept forgetting where this would get console logged out. Would it be in the con the browser or would it be at the terminal? What page did I need it to do it to? So it's even though I'm so familiar with this application that I wrote, I still forget. So it's okay if you forget. It is very normal. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, the things people don't see when you're <laughs> videoing code tutorials. <laughs> Yeah, yes, the all the things that you set up on. Yep, yep, 100%, 100%. So that is honestly the crux of how we're logging in. But when I hit that confirm, there is that extra confirmation that we need to set up. And that's where that auth confirm file is. So when I got that email and I hit that confirm link, there's this route which has no you know, visible UI that is a get request that we're running in order to actually confirm this user and then officially let them have access to our application. And it's not that crazy, but it's basically taking a hash, cookie hash, and mm -hmm. it's checking it from your application in Superbase, so that database, checking that it is actually correct, and then saying, yep, we got that we're cool. This person has actually clicked it, clicked on a link with this special sort of, you know, hashed password thing. And now they are confirmed. And then, then it changes their status in Superbase itself. And that's what this app, this file does. And did you, did you have to write this? And was it easy to find a good example of this when you, if you wrote it? I didn't write this. I didn't, I, I edited it just a little bit to decide where someone should get redirected here on line 16 once okay. they've been confirmed. But the rest of this, I just copy pasted it from the Superbase documentation and it works okay. like magic. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing I think too about a lot of like JavaScript API integrations when you do these sorts of things. Like it's not quite the same as off the shelf where a plugin or even a package in Laravel, which will copy a bunch of files into your thing. Like there's, you know, anybody who's ever set up like a Stripe connection or something like that, it is a lot more time going to the docs, copy and pasting, figuring out why it didn't work, getting it, you know, up and running and stuff. So it's, it's definitely a comfort level with that approach to integrations that you have to have when yeah. you're in like the Java world, I feel like. Yeah. Do you want to do your integrations in code or do you want to do your integrations in a UI? You know, I think WordPress is there's lots of code in it, but ultimately it has this administration panel that's trying to make it a little more no code, you know, before the yeah, term sure. no code even existed. But the JavaScript world is very much about, yeah, pop into your code editor and do a thing, you know, and 
it's still easy a lot of the times, but it's a different kind of easy than using a visual UI. And maybe that's why I really like Superbase because I really like that, you know, it does have some kind of UI that I can do certain things in instead of having to do everything in UI or in code only, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's also like the flexibility of like, give me give me enough UI that's basically like a table. Like, like you know, the idea that every yeah. website is just a spreadsheet. Like we, I really just want to see the spreadsheet and mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the users, whether it's the, the database and stuff, show it to me, looks like a spreadsheet. Let me do a few things in there and that's perfect. Whereas, yeah, sometimes with WordPress, like it is great that you get all that stuff done, but yeah. once you do want to personalize or customize it and you're looking in something, you're like hoping that the person wrote their plug in the right way and all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. that's the trade-off that you get. So it depends on like the situation and how happy you are with something off the shelf that's going to like get you 90% there versus in this situation where you're probably working on a project where somebody's budget is higher, their expectations are higher, the end result is much more, I mean, we keep saying personalized, but I do think that's like the driving force behind word, like headless WordPress or JavaScript in general, like, or JavaScript, like apps in general. It's like that level of deep personalization and seeing your own kind of view of data and stuff in front of you. That's like the, the kind of point of this. So that's why there's the extra work is because of that extra flexibility. Yeah. And I think you brought up headless, you know, that's something I've been thinking about kind of deeply and why people might want to do that. And I think one of the reasons is that in the world of JavaScript, for example, you have to make every decision yourself. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. That's can be empowering because you're able to reduce bloat and only have the things that you want. But the really great thing about WordPress is that you can get a lot of the way there and then just add a little customization. The trade-off is you might have things in there that you don't want. And then you have to fight them sometimes or, you know, ignore them or do something about them. That's why we've had projects where you look at it afterwards and say we built like a crazy complicated application. And for that client, honestly, setting up a WordPress with some gravity forms to get them to an MVP, to get them to paying customers, to get them to a place where they have the budget to then go and build the giant complicated thing, because now you have the budget, you have the customers, you have like everything you need. The validation. The validation. Yeah. Versus trying to do that first and put in all of your crazy ideas and everything and never even get to finish it because you just can't, you know, you don't have the budget for it or what the time or, you know, whatever. So it's definitely depends on the situation of what you're trying to build. It turns out your premise, your idea (laughs) was not good, you know? So now you wasted all this custom stuff and you have nothing to show for it. (laughs) Yeah. And you could have honestly found that out with some gravity forms typically. Like like if everything is a spreadsheet, everything is just a form on the internet. And like at the end of the day, you know, that's that's the place to start. And then when you get to the really complicated stuff where you want to show dynamic data based on the person's location, based on what they've looked at before, based on their browsing history, based on who they're connected with in the app, all that sort of stuff, then you use this and then you get like this great yeah. experience of, of personalization, but with a, a little work behind it, just a little bit of work. Yes, <laughs> just a little bit, just, you know, teeny tiny bit. But yeah, you know, that is how you do authentication using Superbase inside Next.js. 
Is it a bunch of code? Yes, I would say it was like a few hundred lines of code in total to set up the login page, the sign up page, and then to set up that confirmation route. But a lot of that is given to you in the documentation. So it's not like you're writing it all from scratch yourself. And the mm -hmm. other parts just make, make it so that you have a lot of empowerment and you can set it up exactly how you want, or you can use UIs that people have already built. There's more than one UI, you know, that you can take yeah. for a login setup with authentication and validation and the reset password and all of those things are in there. Plug it in, slot Superbase into it, and it will work. I've tried like two or three when I was testing this out and it does work very quickly. And then those few hundred lines go down to like 10 lines of code. Yes, but at the expense I wanted of to the very. Was it the expense of the thousands of lines of somebody else's code that you brought in that you might actually exactly. not need? So, you know, do you exactly. want to save yourself some time and get a UI, but now they put in like 50 different widgets that you never really needed or something? Yeah. Exactly. There's always a trade-off, right? You either have something like WordPress where there's lots of stuff that you just can't get rid of, or in JS, you can bring in other people's packages, but same thing. There's lots of stuff that you can't get rid of. I just think that it's a lot easier in JavaScript though to say, no, I'm not going to use any package and I'm just going to use these raw methods that someone has given me and just build my own thing. That's a lot harder to do in say a CMS like WordPress. So what are we doing next for Next.js episode 3.0, 3. not 2.5? <laughs> yeah. So next episode, we are going to take a look at using this user authentication and actually setting up a account area for someone to set up their own WP audit checklist using Superbase and its rows. So we're going to take everything we learned today and all the decisions that we talked about making in the last episode and put it together into an actual application that allows someone to log in and then customize and save their own checklists using our backend database. All right, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this looks like. I'm <laughs> just excited for people to use it too once it's like out there because yeah. I think I think it's just going to be a handy a handy tool. Yeah, so I'll see you next episode. All right, see you then. Visit viewsource.fm for the show notes. And if you're enjoying the show, we would love a review on iTunes or a comment on YouTube.